Good morning, everybody. Turn the sound down. Uh, this is Mike, and you are listening to Driving Theology. Thank you so much. Uh, I. I uh, finally posted uh, some podcasts this morning, about two and a half podcasts. Uh, one is just a short conversation that uh, Patrick and Cam and I had on the way to the river one day a couple weeks ago. It's probably been close to a month ago now, I guess. Let's see, I need to secure some of this stuff because they're really noisy. Got a bunch of water bottles. I'm uh, back into a exercising mode. So, all right, you're going back here too noisy. So I'm drinking a lot, a lot more liquids, drinking some uh, water, of course, but also, um, protein shake, which I'm going to have to get down here pretty quick. So you guys will have to bear with me as I drink this protein shake. Can you hear me shaking it up? Shake it up. Uh, anyway, so today is, uh, what, the second week of October. It's today, something like October 14th, maybe. Uh, it's Wednesday, of course. I'm on my way to... Uh, Katsuda Village to teach my classes and uh, had a nice walk with the dog this morning. It's uh, getting to early autumn weather, I guess. It's it's uh, It's been overcast a lot. We had a huge typhoon come close to Japan and it's shed a lot of its weather on us. Uh, had more rain and clouds maybe than usual for this time of year but but the the temperature is nice it's not cool I could wear a single shirt while I walked the dog not about a 50 minute two mile dog walk this morning which was great uh, last Sunday uh, my friend Patrick uh, got me out of bed early on Sunday morning and Patrick, Cam, and I uh, went and climbed Nantai-san, which is a, a local mountain. Uh, one of the higher mountains in, it's probably the highest mountain in northern Ibaraki is my guess. You have Tsukuba-san to the south, but, but it's certainly a more technically difficult mountain, and we took the expert course up. And I, I did not decide to go until that morning really thinking about not going but my wife gave me the okay and I just threw on some clothes grabbed the hiking boots got a little water and just took off um, but man it was one of the hardest climbs I've ever been on and I've been on some hard ones you know I've been up Mount Fuji uh, three times which is over a 12,000 foot uh, mountain, but it's it's not technically difficult to, to get up Fuji. It's just you know mostly altitude and lots of people. Uh, 
been up Tsukuba. Uh, sorry, Tsukuba. I haven't. I actually haven't climbed in Tsukuba, which is weird. Um, I've been up uh, the mountains of Nasu, uh, which is a prefecture very close to here, uh, a couple times. Uh, one time was for a two-day, two-day, three, basically a three-peak trip, overnight trip that we stayed up on the mountain. I've been up those mountains three times, well, twice now with one attempt, one failed attempt because of bad weather. <clears throat> but those are about 2,000 uh, meter peaks, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, uh, six, six or 7,000 feet, I suppose. Uh, no, it's got to be more than that. More like 9,000 feet, I guess, at the top. Uh, and they're nice mountains, but the technical aspect of those is not, you know, it's just not real technical. Uh, usually, the, the greater the incline, uh, the more technical the climbs become. And then you have the, just the quality of the terrain, the, the amount of uh, infrastructure on the trail, right? Chains and steps built in and all these kinds of things. They all play into it. but. This mountain that we went to on Sunday, uh, you know, it's just really an hour and a little bit going up, maybe hour and 15 minutes, something like that. But it was, the incline was so steep, really steep. And I, I haven't been in good shape since, uh, well, since uh, <laughs> forever. Um, but it, my shape, my condition, physical conditioning got even worse when Corona started, so I've been trying to bounce back and drop some weight um, to get back to my pre-Corona weight at least. And then I'd like to make some inroads into that as well. Um, so anyway, I've been working out the last um, three or four weeks fairly steady and walking the dog a lot, and but it didn't matter because that mountain kicked my butt on Sunday. It was hard. And I just wanted to give up every moment of the way. But I was with my friends and there really was no way down. Uh, you'd have to go down the technical part that we went up. And so the best way is to keep going up until you could go down an easier path, which is what we ended up doing. Anyway, it was a very hard climb. Uh, and I really questioned whether I was going to be able to make it or not. Um, even though I've been up bigger mountains and been on much longer hikes, uh, yeah, it was really taking it out of me. Um, and uh, my friend Pat, one of the reasons he's doing this uh, is because he is on a vision quest. He's preparing to have a vision quest. Um, if you're not familiar with what a vision quest is, join the club. I think uh, a lot of people think it's this or it's that. Uh, but whatever uh, people's opinions of a vision quest, I think we can all say that it's a rite of passage. It's something that you do uh, when you want to go to a new phase of your life. Uh, it can be used uh, as a way to improve your life now. Uh, but a vision quest is basically a foray into 
the wilderness uh, solo, al alone, right? So that you can uh, camp. Okay, I'm gonna drink some of this protein here. The idea is usually to camp and usually to fast, uh, most often just from food, but some people do fast from water as well, which is a much more dangerous fishing quest. Uh, in order to seek um, a path and a purpose for your life, right? Uh, and hopefully uh, that comes uh, from uh, the spiritual realm. That's the idea of getting a vision quest. Oh, that's good. Sorry, not getting a vision quest, but getting a vision on your vision quest. Uh, vision quest, I think, uh, in America is usually associated with the indigenous peoples of the Americas. Something that uh, was very much a part of their culture. Um, but but uh, in a broader sense, this idea of going into the wilderness before starting a new phase of your life is uh, really pretty much in every culture, uh, one of which is the Christian culture. Um, and we, we have examples of this, uh, of Jesus and Paul especially, uh, even Moses, going into the wilderness and Elijah now that I think about it, going into the wilderness for long periods of time in order to seek uh, the voice of God uh, and to uh, and to start a new uh, chapter in their lives, right? Um, this is something that's happened, I think, in many cultures. <clears throat> Sometimes it happens on purpose, right? Where people intentionally uh, subject themselves to this. Sometimes it happens on accident. When people get lost in the wilderness or shipwrecked or plane wrecked or something like this. Um, but my friend Pat is interested in doing a vision quest and he's planned on doing this about uh, two or three weeks from now. In the beginning of November in those same mountains where we went to climb so he's kind of mapping uh, where he's going to do this and how it's going to happen and, and uh, I've been reading the book that uh, he used to uh, begin preparation I think he's using other sources as resources as well but uh, I'm really interested in this idea I, I uh, it's obviously a very romantic um, idea um, there, are, there are movies uh, and books written about it um, uh, and have been for you know a long time and and uh, so I, I'm interested in this idea as well um, I think it it certainly uh, becomes more attractive when you are kind of plateauing, right, when you feel like you've plateaued, or maybe you could say you've hit a wall, you know, that you need, you're needing guidance to, uh, to overcome an obstacle, um, um, 
And so, yeah, Pat, Pat is going to be going on, on a vision quest in these mountains. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to support him in any way I can and perhaps learn from him so that I can uh, maybe um, also prepare for a vision quest of my own in the future. Um, I say that uh, because we, we've, we've often thought, Pat and I, and I may have, I'm sure we've, oops, sorry, I'm sure we've uh, podcasted on this in the past that uh, one of the needs we see in society is a need to be in nature and a need to be more connected with the natural world. We see a disconnect, an unhealthy disconnect uh, in ourselves and in the world at large to the point where people do not understand uh, where they where they are in the natural uh, strata of things, right? Um, uh, in, in the natural uh, order of things, you know, what is our place in nature, and what is our impact on nature, right? There's there's a lot of uh, denial uh, about the human impact um, on uh, nature and and uh, natural systems, right? climate change and, and uh, pollution and, and the like. Um, and so one thing that, that helps to, I think, alleviate some of this is just to get people in nature to where they can have a respect and appreciation uh, and an appreciation of nature. Um, and, and then the other part we see is that there are very few rites of passage that have remained in our lives. And in America, I'd say it's even more so. Um, very few rites of passage. There's not a big acknowledgement uh, of adulthood, for example. So when you've passed from childhood to adulthood, or even perhaps stages in childhood, uh, there's not uh, a, I guess, landmarks, um, metaphorically speaking, we don't really make landmarks in our mind to mark the passage um, from one part of our life to the next, and therefore we have a lot of, you know, what's called uh, in infantile, <laughs> infantile people, uh, people who uh, are still babies or very childlike even into uh, their adult or even senior years. Right? Um, we don't. Uh, for some reason in this modern society, we don't mark very well any longer the passage from uh, one part of our lives to the next. And so the vision quest, uh, at least some vision quests, were part of that, right? They were rites of passage uh, when a boy uh, was to become a man, for example. Uh, he would undergo a vision quest in order to uh, solidly uh, separate him from his childhood and at the same time try to develop in him useful tools that will help him go forward and be successful as a man in society, in, in his community, right? To become a, a successful member of society. Um, and I think this is something that our modern world uh, lacks and longs for. Uh, for women and men alike, um, I think it's it would be 
very helpful for us uh, to be able to have some some more rites of passage. And the vision quest is only one of many possible. Uh, I think we could have others as well. Oh, sorry. Just finishing up my protein shake. Man, that's good. God, they make protein shakes so good these days. I have no idea. Good stuff. Mm. What are other possible rites of passage that we could have? Some of the things that work as rites of passage, I think that our holdovers are have to do with education. So uh, when we graduate from one level to the next, right, we have rites of passage. Uh, whether it's uh, you know junior high, well, I guess it starts with kindergarten graduation here in Japan. Um, they do have more educational rites of passage here in Japan than I remember having in the States. I don't remember having any kind of a junior high graduation, for example. Uh, we just went from junior high to high school. That was it. You know, just kind of throw you in the deep end of the pool uh, without really marking um, the... Um, oh, what's the word? Uh, when you go up to the next level... Um, commencement is not the right word. Matriculation, I think, is the word I'm looking for. So when you matriculate into, you know, from junior high into high school, uh, we didn't have any ceremony that I remember. Uh, and same with elementary school into junior high. Now we do have a high school graduation and we have college graduations that I think act as uh, it's the best thing we have uh, to act as. Um, uh, rites of passage, right? Um, but they're very formal group things, right? Uh, there's not a lot of uh, personal growth that happens with them. Uh, marriage is in some ways uh, has become the rite of passage. Um, so as soon as you married, you're, you're supposed to be an adult or maybe when your first child is born, you're supposed to act more like an adult. Um, they have become kind of surrogate rites of passage, but I don't see them as effective as rites of passage that uh, mankind has uh, practiced in the past. Especially the vision quest. Uh, the vision quest is something quite difficult, right? You go into the wilderness, you're prepared, of course, but you go into the wilderness with no food for three days. Uh, and you have certain rituals that you do during this time. So you're prepared uh, to use the time in, in different ways. You can journal as you're in the wilderness. Uh, uh, you can walk and wander and climb mountains and, and there are all kinds of things you can do. Uh, but usually what happens is a lot of, um, pressure is the wrong word, hardship, I guess. First of all, dealing with not having food, right? Uh, dealing with, with having no food uh, is 
very difficult on people, especially the very first day, from what I hear. Um, I fasted, but never in the wilderness like that. Um, and then the loneliness, right? The isolation over time becomes almost unbearable for some people. And then you have the just the climate, the heat or the cold. And it seems like cold is more of a problem on vision quests because many of them happen in the desert. Um, so you hear a lot about people not being able to deal with the cold and one thing that will increase the cold is the fact that you have no food in your belly being digested that's one thing that amps up your body temperature right uh, is having food in your stomach um, and so when that food has digested and, and your, your system is empty um, you you get colder, your body temperature falls, you feel colder. Uh, and then you have the, just the fear, right? The fear factor of being alone in the desert. You hear sounds, you see shadows, uh, you worry about wild animals, um, wild, uh, you know, biting insects or, or all of these things. You're exposed to the sun, you're exposed to possible rain and wind and lightning. Um, you are exposed in the elements. You may have a tarp, you may have a tent, right? Uh, you may have something, but the fact is you're still alone in a, uh, an unfamiliar place. Uh, and the fear factor can be um, quite significant. Um, many people give up after just a day or two, right? They're not able to fulfill, to finish their, their full vision quest. Uh, because these factors are real, um, it's one thing to take a you know take the walk by your take a walk by yourself in the woods. It's another thing to be out there for four days uh, without food, and your mind and your body can start playing tricks on you. But in all of this hardship is where the benefit comes. It's when you this is when you can finally be opened up enough to receive the wisdom that you have sought in the wilderness. Uh, we know that Jesus, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, that's when he saw the vision and he confronted Satan uh, and was able to uh, defeat Satan's temptations, right? And so the, the time in the wilderness prepared him for that. Um, yeah, so people, I see myself and others um, needing to endure some kind of hardship in order to give them the kind of intestinal fortitude to endure the things that life throws at us. Um, I see, in, in, especially in Japanese society, because that's where I live, uh, I see a lot of giving up when things get hard, right? When things get hard, just give up. Uh, 
we also see a lot of uh, you know where society leans on the government where, where individuals I should say lean on the government uh, when hardships arise as opposed to uh, you know just bucking up and doing something themselves um, so the the experience of going in the wilderness and, and finding out that you can indeed rely on yourself that you can endure more than you ever thought you could uh, and yet at the same time it should not cause pride it should cause humility because you know how scared you were you know how difficult it was you know the tears you shed right nobody else does but you know um, how the experience will break you and has broken you and so th there's humility and strength and I think I think true strength always is going to be based in true humility um, I think without humility uh, it's difficult to find true strength but strength is what people need right we need people with with strength with experiences of endurance uh, because times are hard, right? Times get hard. Things happen. Uh, people get sick. People die. and Suddenly we are thrown into uh, roles uh, that we uh, are not prepared for. And then the fear factor of not knowing whether we can endure, not knowing if we are made of the right stuff to go through those things that life throws at us. Whether it's a, you know, the sickness of a family member, or uh, the death of a family member, or the loss of a job, uh, or uh, some kind of a physical uh, dehabilitation. Is that the right word? Dehabilitation. Dehabilitation. Um, an injury or something like this, right? So if if our life is set up to go through these milestones, these rites of passage, in order to teach ourselves that we are stronger than we think we are, which is exactly what my, you can't see it, but uh, I have a new uh, protein shake, shaker bottle. And uh, I liked it because of the color and the size, but it does have in, in bold letters on the side, you are so much stronger than you think. You are so much stronger than you think. Uh, and I think that's a good thing for us to know. All right, it happens to be on the shaker bottle that I have right next to me. But but it's true, right? It's it's good to know that you, you have the ability to endure. But until your endurance is tested, you don't know. Uh, I went through a couple years, well, right after the big uh, eastern earthquake and tsunami of 2011. Uh, I think I had a little PTSD from that, and I went into this uh, period where I, where I decided to run, and I started to uh, lift weights, and I ran maybe four 10Ks, and no, no, more than four 10Ks. I must have run eight, I don't know, maybe six to somewhere between six and eight 10Ks uh, in three or four years. Um, 
and uh, and got in shape. And part of it was the fear that I had gone through. And you know, I, I did some volunteering and working with uh, people who were more affected than we were. We we were hardly affected at all compared to some. Um, but that work brought me face to face with people who had lost loved ones uh, in the in the tsunami. Um, one lady I met had lost 12 family members. 12! And now she was alone in a gymnasium uh, with, you know, uh, a floor mat and a little uh, half, you know, three-foot high concrete wall is her house with a bunch of other strangers in this gymnasium that she was living with. But she had lost 12 of her family members. And I think that that shocked me into into wanting to physically challenge myself to be prepared for things to come. And granted that that um, that desire has not stayed at the same level um, since then. I put on a lot of weight. In fact, I'm heavier than I've ever been, unfortunately. Well, except maybe a month ago. Um, but still, now I know, you know, I've been through, I've, I've trained, even being overweight, I've trained to the point where I could run at 10K in less than an hour. You know, I've, I've pushed myself through that. Uh, I've climbed big mountains. Uh, I've gone on hikes that last seven and eight hours. Uh, I've endured physical things. Now, granted, these are things that I've chosen to do right? Uh, I've done on purpose so that uh, I might be ready for bigger things. And those bigger things have not come yet. Uh, I suppose COVID, of course it's a big thing. Um, but I think what I've had to endure personally so far uh, has been minimal. But these kinds of physical difficulties, right? I feel like people, especially young people, should be subjecting themselves to. I think vision quests should be something that that every high school or college graduate should do, right? No matter what the, the shape of it is, right? Um, some kind of a, 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 a wilderness experience, some kind of of an experience where you have to push yourself to your limits uh, and then at the end of it you find out that you can do more than you thought that you are indeed stronger than you believed you were society is set up now to be so easy you know we, we sit down in a nice plush seat push a few buttons and turn a few knobs and we can drive with uh, background music and uh, climate control uh, and the only thing we have to move is our our hand a little bit and our foot a little bit uh, and generally without wasting any um, 
effort whatsoever, we can go super long distances and be completely comfortable. Um, our world is not set up to test us physically. We have to be creative, right? We have to invent ways to test ourselves physically. And the physical test is not just for physical test, right? It, it's the physical test also helps us mentally, right? Uh, it's very difficult to endure anything physically without developing mental toughness. Um, and finding out and the humility that can be uh, caused through us enduring, I think can bring us closer to, to spiritual wellness as well. Now, I don't think it's the only way to spiritual wellness, and I don't think it's even a complete way to spiritual wellness. I think, I think there are other things that, other factors that probably have to be present, but who knows what door will be the one that opens you uh, to a great spiritual connection with the divine. You know, could it be a 10K? Could it be a marathon? Could it be a vision quest? Could it be a mountain climb? I think those are all possible possible doorways uh, just like it could be reading a verse in the Bible or or uh, being shown kindness uh, by a person or, or what have you there are many ways uh, many doors through which we can walk uh, to engage more intimately with the divine but but these physical feats whether it's just fasting or, or solitude or what have you, uh, are proven ways, right? They are time-tested. Even though we've largely ignored them in modern times, uh, we have a long history uh, of these uh, events being positive things uh, in great people uh, who have had desert experiences. And so I'm, I'm behind you, Pat. I uh, can't wait to learn from you and to uh, perhaps experience this uh, in some way with you in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm sold, I think, on the benefits of the vision quest. Uh, and I pray that yours will be super successful. And I thank you for uh, introducing me to the idea giving me an example to follow. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. So, um, I think I started to talk about this and I didn't quite get there, but Pat and I have felt for a while that college kids needed these kinds of things. Uh, of course, we both work with at the college. Um, Pat more than me, of course, but... Um, yeah, you know, how, how we're English teachers, but how can we prepare people for life, right? Uh, it's one thing to prepare them to be able to have a uh, simple conversation in English or even, you know, to work at a business level in English. Um, but what's really lacking, I think, in our kids uh, are these milestones, these rites of passage, these 
vision quest type desert experiences uh, which could go a long way to giving them both humility and confidence humble confidence I guess uh, that they will be able to endure uh, all of the hardships that life can throw at you and it will life will throw you curveballs uh, and will you take on the challenge will you meet it head on uh, will you see that it's worth the fight that you will be a better person on the other side of your effort uh, or may you uh, wilt and sleek away and cover up right um, there are two ways to go about it now for all of those of us who who have given up who have sleeked away um, it's okay Jesus loves you anyway I love you anyway um, but what if a, a simple vision quest right a safe time-tested but difficult physical challenge could be a way to open the door to a more uh, successful life for you in the future with your family your relationships uh, with yourself and with the divine you know would you would you take it can we encourage you some way to to make that decision uh, and take that first step and maybe maybe the first step is just a, a simple day hike a morning hike climb a small mountain you know uh, take take a walk in your neighborhood you know start small by all means if, if you think it's something that's too far out of your wheelhouse uh, yeah by all means start small um, and then work your way up learn as you go that's fine my car is quite crooked so yep I'm gonna have to cut it off now uh, that's my podcast on the vision quest um, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, maybe a, a follow-up conversation with Pat after his vision quest. That'd be great. Maybe maybe we should have. Maybe I will set up a a pre um, pre podcast with Pat and then a a follow-up. That would be great. Don't hold me to it, but we'll see what happens. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Bye.